faithful way. And I look back, here I am, 14 years later from my salvation and 97, 98, 99, and what God marked me with in that early season. And I feel like the Lord's been saying to me, Corey, go back to what you signed up for. Go back to the beginning to where you laid on that that uh, altar call f- uh, floor, just saying, God, I want to know you. I want to go deep. I want to be a John the Baptist. I don't want to be an echo. I want to be a voice. I want to live all my days in your presence. And I feel like a lot of us need to go back to what we signed up for. Because the, the cares of this life, the, the pressures, life crowds in and it becomes a distant memory. But we've got to stir our spirits up and get reconnected to what we signed up for. You know what I'm talking about? So let's just, I want, to, I want to ask you to stand. Let's just begin to, I want to take a couple of minutes and just thank him. I want to just thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness in our life. A lot of you ought to be dead right now. We've made every decision to not be in this room right now. And yet God's brought us here. If it was up to us, we'd end up somewhere else right now. And God in his kindness has kept us from ourselves, has saved us from ourselves, and saved us in spite of us and brought us forward. I'm just so pr- I'm just so glad to be his child. Let's just begin to thank him right now. All of this room, I want you to begin to verbalize. Father, we thank you in this room right now, God. Come on, just lift up your voice. Father, we thank you in this house. Five years of night and day worship and prayer and adoration. God, we say thank you, God, for keeping the smoldering wick aflame. Keeping the burning candle aflame. We thank you, God, for the checks in the mail. We thank you for the waves of your presence. We thank you, God, for scriptures that keep us going. We thank you for brothers and sisters that keep us going. We thank you, God. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you never change. Father, we just say thank you tonight, God. God, I say thank you for IHOP East Bay. Thank you for IHOP East Bay, God. And Father, I pray that you would begin to take the house of prayer to the next season in the grace of God. Take the house of prayer to the next season in the grace of God. I pray for a transition, God, what you're doing in the earth. I pray for a shift in the spirit realm. That you would begin to awaken pastors and leaders all over this city. You'd begin to bring forth the house of prayer. We thank you, God, tonight. I thank you. Just go ahead. If you've, if you've been a part of the house of prayer here for the last five years, whether worship leading or in leadership, on staff, part-time, whatever, I want you to raise your hand. Jesus, right now. They're right next to you right now. If they're next to you, I want you to put your hand on them right now. Put your hand on them right now. Let's just speak a blessing over them. That's it. Pray in the Spirit over them. Hallelujah. just speak the blessing of God on your spirits right now.
bless the worship leaders. We bless the intercessors. We bless the staff. And Father, we just ask for the strength of heaven to enter into their bones. We ask for the grace of heaven to enter into their bones. We ask for the presence of heaven to enter into their bones. We ask for the words of heaven to enter into their bones. Father, we ask you to release it. Release blessing on these men and women. We thank you and we bless you. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. just want to honor you. And I want you to take it in for a second. All right, we're all busy. Let's just keep moving. We're going, we're going. The power of these seasons of anniversaries is to remember. Tomorrow, we're going to celebrate our 12th anniversary. And Mike's going to step up there, because I know Mike Bickle. And he is going to begin to read our prophetic history. That's what he's going to do. He's going to tell the same stories he's told for 25 years. What's the power of hearing the same stories, the same verses, the same markings from heaven over and over and over again? It's because it causes us to replumb line our lives, our families, and the ministry back to the original mandate. That's the power. That's what they did all throughout the Old Testament. Is whenever there was a strategic moment, God would raise up reformers and prophets and leaders that would remind them of what God did for them in Egypt. Of how God opened up a Red Sea, split a Red Sea in two and delivered the people of God. And they always called them back to Exodus saying, remember what God has done for you. And if he did it in the past, he's going to be true to his word to finish that which he started. That's the power of going in the future is feeding on the past. Do you understand that? That goes for us personally. That goes for us individually. And that goes for us corporately is feeding on the past. The unmistakable realities that God has released in the past to be the plumb line that we push away all the other voices and all the other pressures and we say, come hell or high water, I am not going to look at what I see, but I'm going to be true to the heavenly vision and what the Lord's saying. And that's what the Lord's doing in this hour. That's why we want to feed on these realities. And I love to hear the same old stories over and over again. I love to hear, I say it every week, how Mike Bickle was in Cairo, Egypt in 1982 and he was visiting the poorest cities across the earth trying to get the Lord's heart for the poor of the earth. And he's in a cockroach-ridden hotel in downtown Cairo, one of the, and there's some of the dirtiest areas in all the world in that area. And he's in that, and he falls into a trance-like encounter, and the Lord speaks to him in the same way Peter was spoken to in Acts chapter 10. And the Lord says, I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in one generation. And the Lord in 1982 gave him the acronym I-H-O-P. Intercession. Holiness of heart. Offerings for the poor. And the prophetic spirit. 
And that these four values, though there's many other values that come into the body of Christ, but these would be four values the Lord would, in a special way, emphasize in these last days. And he's telling the Lord, he's saying, Lord, yes, yes, God, I want to do it. Intercession, holiness, offerings, prophetic, I want to do it. And the Lord says, many have said yes, but few have done it. Many have said yes, but few have done it. Because he's telling the Lord, yes, God. He goes, I've heard that many times. And he, the Lord spoke to him, don't let your brethren steal this from your heart. Don't let your brethren steal this from your heart. He didn't say the devil. He didn't say demons. He says, well-meaning church folk who want you to calm down in your pursuit of all that God wants to give you in this generation. He says, don't let well-meaning brothers and sisters talk you out of fullness. Don't let them do it. And he's found over the years that's been the plumb line he's had to take the hardest stand on. Beloved, we are actually partaking of some of the realities. Now that was but a distant dream. He's in 1982 in St. Louis, Missouri. He's right before he moved sovereignly to Kansas City. He bumps right through the doors. He grew up as a Presbyterian background. He had grown up in Kansas City. His father was a boxer and grew up in the bar scenes around the Kansas City Mafia. And he just grew up around a bunch of hard dudes. He sat there and wait till those guys would get drunk. And he would sit there and he would say, he would start saying, he goes, how much will you give me if I do 100 push-ups right now? <laughs> He'd sit there and bank about 20, 30 bucks a night. Guys not even paying attention. They're just throwing money towards him. Well, he comes back to Kansas City to take over this church and there was a prophet there named Bob Jones who had been waiting in the city. He, the Lord literally delivered him in 1975 off his deathbed. He began to preach against abortion. He began to talk about certain things. And the devil said, I'm going to kill you if you keep preaching about these things. He goes, I'm not your property. I'm going to keep preaching it. <laughs> well, he kept preaching it. And that same day, he goes into a heart attack and literally dies. And goes before the judgment seat of the Lord. And the Lord in essence says, I'm going to send you back to raise up some of my leaders at the end of the age. I want you to prepare end time leadership. Well, he comes out of that experience. And then not to about five years later, ends up moving to Kansas City. And he moves and joins with the pastor in the city. And says, I'm going to be with you until this young man comes from St. Louis. And when this young man, he goes, I don't even know who he is. He says, but when the young man comes, I've got to leave you and go join him. And the pastor goes, okay. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. <laughs> Whatever you say. And so 1982, 1983 into that season, Mike now moves back to Kansas City, sovereignly spoken to move back from St. Louis, walks through the doors and one of his first encounters, Bob Jones walks in there. In the middle, their first meeting, he walks in the middle of summer. He has a big winter coat on, and he walks through the doors, and he tells him. He begins to talk about his heart for Israel. He begins to talk about, you're a youth pastor. And Mike goes, no, I'm a senior pastor. And he goes, no, no, I'm not talking about this little thing. He says, you're going to be an old man. He says, you're going to be an older man to give leadership to this great youth army that's about to hit the four corners of the earth. He says, you're just a little pup right now. The Lord's going to keep you busy for about 20 years. Literally what he told him in 1982. The Lord's going to keep you busy for a little bit just to keep you out of trouble. And so they began to have counters. He shared 
around hundreds of visions that he had had concerning a healing anointing being released about billions of dollars about the heart of God for the nation of Israel and that God was going to raise up intercessors for the salvation of Israel. That he was going to raise up messengers, 300,000 saved, the power of God breaking in. Mike hears all these stories and after hearing him, he thinks this guy's a lunatic. Mike comes from a, a, a conservative background. You got some prophet telling you all this stuff. He's wearing a winter coat in the middle of summer. He's weird. He shows up to him in Kansas, says, you're going to show up over there next to Harry Truman. Harry Truman, the, the President Truman, was literally the lead catalyst in the establishment of Israel. He says, you're going to be over there next to Harry Truman. And Mike says, you know, our people don't shop over there. They were in the nicer area. You don't go over to that neck of the woods. Well, he didn't take him seriously until a couple of months later, and the Lord began to stir on Mike's heart. And I didn't really feel led to go into this, but I'm going to give you a little bit about what's going on right now. This is bigger than you think. Is, is several months later, is probably, I don't know, I don't even fully know the full season, but several months later, the Lord began to stir on Mike's heart. He's 27 years old in a brand new city, and the Lord begins to speak to him about calling all the leaders of the city to a 21-day fast out of Daniel chapter 9 and Joel chapter 2. Y'all know Daniel 9. Daniel was in 21 days of prayer and fasting, repenting and confessing sin so that God would restore them back to the land. And then Joel 2 is gathered together, cry out to the Lord, and he'll pour out his spirit. Well, the Lord's stirring on Mike's heart. Call the city to a 21-day fast. And Mike's really having a hard time with it because he's a young pastor. You don't come into a new city and just say, hey, here I am. We're going to do this fast. Everybody follow me. So he was really wrestling with the Lord, had told nobody about this. Well, one of those days, Bob walks right through the doors and comes up to him and just because he's from Arkansas, he literally grew up 30 minutes from where I'm from, but he's got a deeper accent than I do. My goodness. Walks right up to me and goes, yeah, the angel Gabriel showed up to me last night. Yeah, the angel Gabriel showed up to me last night and he told me, give the young man Daniel 9 and tell him to call the city to a 21-day fast. And... The Lord is going to confirm the start of this fast by sending a comet through the sky that was unforeseen by scientists. He goes, when are you going to start this fast? Mike goes, I haven't really told anybody. I didn't think I was going to do it. Mike says, so when's the comet going to come? He goes, you name the day. He goes, the day you start your fast, the comet's going to come. Mike's going, what you talking about, Willis? He doesn't even have any grid for this at all. He thought it was really weird for all these months, and here he is calling, reading his mail. So he's like, he's perking up, saying, okay, what's going on? This is weird. Well, Mike says, Mike just literally pulled a date out of the hat. May 7th. May 7th, 1983. He goes, okay, May 7th, 1983. Right now, we have it in our archives. The Kansas City Star, May 7th, 1983. It literally, the front cover says, Comment unforeseen by scientist comes through the sky. Praise God. Well, they started 21 days of fasting and prayer. 6 a.m. to midnight, the whole city came out. 500 at a time would be in that room, many people sleeping. It was a, just a 21-day fast of being before the Lord. And Mike was ready for historic revival. But Mike calls it one of the most oppressive seasons of his life. <laughs> it was very difficult. Who in here knows that God will start something and then it gets really difficult? Amen. We understand that. 
Well, he's in there. It was a difficult season. And, 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 and in the middle of that 21-day season, the Lord began to stir on him another day. In uh, uh, one of the days, he started getting a vision of Psalms 27, verse 4. He's reading David's cry in Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And Mike is privately in his heart walking in the prayer room saying, God, he started getting this prayer, God, make me a man of one thing. Make me a man of one thing. It's 1983 in the middle of that fast. And he's praying it to himself. He prays it all day long. God, make me a man of one thing. I want to be a man that dwells in your house. Well, next day comes by and he completely forgets the prayer. And Bob comes back up to him the next day. And he told nobody this. He says, the Lord says yes to that prayer you were praying last, that, that prayer you were praying yesterday. And Mike's going through his mind saying, what prayer did I pray? What prayer? Did I pray? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, the Lord says yes to your prayer out of Psalms 27 verse 4. And the Lord's going to raise up 24-7 prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. Mike's just undone. He goes, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> and so beginning right there at the end of that fast was 16 years of three prayer meetings a day. Him pastoring the church. They had a little sign up on the wall. 24-7 prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. People come ask, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. The Lord spoke it audibly though. Literally that was what the Lord spoke audibly to Bob. The Lord spoke two audible things in those years. The first one was 24-7 prayer. And the second one was in 1988 to where the Lord gave Mike Song of Solomon 8-6. Set yourself as a seal of fire upon my heart. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man were to give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. He says, do 24-7 prayer and do it in a bridal paradigm. Do it awakened by love and intimacy fueled. That intimacy would be the fuel of prayer. In that season, 83, 84, 85, God released prophetic words at that level to confirm a healing anointing that no disease known to man would be able to stand in the midst of the people. That God released prophetic words that billions of dollars would come through and that he wasn't to touch any of it. But that it would flow through his hands for the building of the kingdom. That God would raise up spiritual intercessors for the salvation of Israel. In the same way, Harry Truman was a political intercessor. For Israel. Talked about God raising up apostolic and prophetic messengers. About God releasing 300,000 saved in our city and that it would break out through all the earth. This is bigger than Kansas City. I'm here to tell you this is bigger than Kansas City and we are of the same family in this prophetic journey. I want you to understand that. That's why I'm saying this is that we are brothers and sisters. God sovereignly gripped the leadership of IHOP East Bay some years ago and has directly connected them to this vision. They, they are so connected, hook, line, and sinker to what God's doing in this reality. Well, here we are in 97. God began, the, the church was at 3,000 people still doing prayer meetings. And the Lord began to start in mind, now it's time to build the house of prayer. Stop saying it's not time to build the house of prayer. He says he gave him like four prophetic words. Mike's a pretty intense guy. He goes, Lord, I need four things confirmed within two weeks. 
Lord says, okay. And he does it. Like he has these crazy people come up. He goes, have him come up out of the blue and tell me on this day. Lord goes, okay. Just crazy stuff. Well, in 99, May 7th, 99, they made the jump. He gave over the pastor, the, the church to another pastor and made the jump with a handful of intercessors. And they started going 13 hours a day in May 7th, 99. Then September 19th, 99, they threw away the key. And for the last 12 years, night and day worship and intercession has been ascending before the throne of God in Kansas City. Demons get no rest in Kansas City. The Bible says the accuser of the brethren stands night and day before the throne. Well, guess what? There's intercessors standing night and day with Christ Jesus before the throne of God. Beloved, I want to tell you something right now. Something is happening in the nations. We are in the midst of an extreme home makeover in the body of Christ. Do you understand that? Can you feel the rumblings? Can you feel the rumblings of the transformation and the reformation that's taking place right now? Do you feel it in your spirit? There's a longing in us that there's got to be more than what we've known. There's got to be more than what we've known. I still believe we're going to continually have the meeting place reality. If it's Sunday morning, praise God. I love Sunday morning. But beloved, we're moving from a Sunday morning reality only mentality into communities of prayer and worship and adoration before the throne. Who in here knows Jesus didn't die for 45 minutes and 20 bucks? Who in here knows that? I believe He died for whole communities that would be at the core, be a people of day and night worship and intercession. Not just day and night incessantly, but there would be communities of prayer going on. There would be a culture of prayer that we would understand that God's government is loose through the vehicle of worship and prayer. It says in Psalm 20, 22, it says, you're enthroned in the praises of Israel. You're enthroned in the praises of Israel. We're in the midst of a home makeover in the body of Christ. And you never build a new house on an old one. It's going, we're going to see a dramatic shift. It's already begun. What's going to be the agents in bringing about this change? Continual economic shaking. Continual economic shaking is going to bring a reformation in the way that we understand church. The way that we understand church in another decade is going to look a lot different than the way we understand it today. I believe that the continual economic shaking, we just want to get underneath the rug, act like it's not going on, and try to keep going on with business as usual. And God Himself is shaking foundations to get us back to realigning with Him. He has no problems, and if that's hard for you to swallow, please read your Bible. Please read your Bible, because God is sovereign. He can do what He wants to. And He has no problem shaking temporal props to get us to wrestle with eternal realities. Because God doesn't think 70 years. He thinks eat forever. He thinks eternity. And us getting, having to wrestle with real questions to wake us up from our slumber so that we get reconnected with who we are and what we're to be about. I believe that that's going to be one of the agents that's going to bring about this change. I believe revival 
is going to be poured out. And that is going to literally shake wineskins. It's going to shake whole realities. Revival's coming. Shakings are coming. Shakings in the heavens. Shakings on the earth. And he's going to bring forth the people who are called to him. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just can feel it. Can't you? It's exciting. It's exciting. He's calling forth the people. I feel the urgency in my heart in this hour. I, I, I was with our leadership team on Monday, and I was giving kind of my personal story, and we're all connected. They go, what do you feel like? I said, I feel like we're in the seven years of plenty with Joseph. And I feel like we're moving into an hour of the, of the famine years. I don't know what that looks like. But I, this is what I feel. I don't know what it's, the famine's going to look like, but this is what I do know, is that I feel such an urgency on the inside of me to, as a, to acquire as much intimacy, fellowship, friendship with Holy Spirit, and to get as clear and as deep in the Word of God and what He's saying in this hour as, as humanly possible. That's what I feel. I feel an urgency on my hours, on my days, on my relationships. I don't feel that business as usual can continue on as normal. Doesn't, isn't it shockingly, it's just so shocking to me, Jesus' last public message in Matthew 24. He gives us the Olivet Discourse and he talks about the end of the age. He talks about all the events associated with the end of the age. He talks about Antichrist, abomination of desolation, betrayal, love of many growing cold. He talks about persecution, signs in the heavens, famines. Da, 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 da. Jesus is so explicit and he's not talking symbols. He said, this is what's going to happen. Bang, 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 bang. And then he looks him right in the face. What do we do? How many cans of water and beans do we get? Do we need to go buy land somewhere? Get a whole ammunition stockpile. He goes, looks him right in the face. He goes, this is what you do. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, you're ready. He goes, get a prayer life. <laughs> Watch. Get your eyes open. Get a spirit of revelation on your life. Get tender in the word of God and in the Holy Spirit and get a prayer life. And those two realities will be your navigating compass in the midst of that scenario. That is the reality. That is the reality. And I feel like we're in a season to buy into a stock before it goes through the roof. The IHOP stock is going to go through the roof. I'm not just talking about international house. I'm just talking about the Matthew 21. My house shall be called a house of prayer. My house. Zeal is consuming Jesus. Zeal for his house is going to consume his Davids. Zeal is going to consume his people. That they won't sleep until he has a place in our cities. Because he's worthy, isn't he? God is beautiful, amen? We have 24-7 Walmarts, 24-7 gas stations, 24-7 Walgreens. So you can go get your pills at 2 in the morning if you need them. Whew. What would we do? We couldn't get to our Walgreens. We got 24-7 McDonald's. We got 24-7. We got 24-7 everything. Why is the natural prophesying? The natural's prophesying. We're going night and day. We're going night and day. We're going night and day. The natural's prophesying. 
And the Bible says in Revelation 4, they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, to Him who was and is and is to come. Day and night, they do not stop. Jesus is the worthy Lamb of God, isn't He? He's worthy of blessing and honor and glory and power and riches and thanksgiving. That Lamb of God is worthy of incessant worship. That Lamb of God is worthy of incessant praise and adoration. He's worthy to be sung to with nobody else in a room. He's worthy. He's worthy for people to take promises and then to speak them back to Him when there ain't nobody in a room. He's worthy. He's worthy. The issue that is going to get restored and awaken this prayer movement is the revelation of the beauty of God and the worth of Jesus Christ. And when worth gets restored, praise will break out. It's His name. He says in Malachi 1, I'm going to bring together about 20 messages tonight if that's okay with you. I feel thanksgiving. I feel intimacy. I feel urgency. I feel praise. Because <laughs> they're all one reality in the heart of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's so worthy, isn't he? You know, it says in Malachi 1, he says, because Israel didn't step into her priestly calling, this is what God's going to do. He says, Israel, by the end of the Old Testament, Israel would not step into her priestly calling. So God says, this is what I'm going to do. Shut the doors, and I'm going to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and I'm going to begin to raise up incense all over the earth, and my name shall be great among the Gentiles. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. Incense shall be offered to my name, a pure offering. God, and this is actually what's going to break off blindness off Israel. It's going to actually be incessant worship and prayer that's going to rip the blinders off Israel in the same way Saul of Tarsus got scales ripped from his eyes. These are the days we're living in, and you're like, what in the world we got to do with that out here in East Bay? Everything. 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 My goodness. Jesus. He's beautiful. He's worthy. Because in Matthew 24, he talked about all that stuff. He said, watch and pray. And then he gave us the perfect parable. He talked about two kinds of people that are going to emerge at the end of the age. He defines them as wise virgins and foolish virgins. And he says, it's going to come down to this. There's going to be, he goes, in that hour, everybody's going to be having lamps, which is influence. They'll all be virgins, which means they're children of the Lord. They're set apart to the Lord. Do you know, if you've given your life to Jesus, we're all virgins in the sight of Jesus. Do you know that? No, we got two people. You are as clean as Jesus is clean in the presence of God. In Matthew 24 and 25 said there's going to be two kinds of people. One kind of people are going to be all into their ministries. All into shining their lamps. Showing everybody just so busy running around doing a lot of stuff. But while their, while their influence gets bigger, their hearts get smaller. They never cultivate the oil of intimacy with Holy Spirit. So while they're so busy in ministry, there's going to be another group of people on the backsides of Bethlehem. A bunch of no-name Davids. 
off with sheep playing their instruments before getting lost in nowheresville in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day, getting lost before God because the Lord says, because these people are saying, God, I want a bigger heart than I want a bigger ministry. I want a bigger encounter in knowing you and encountering you than I want in even being used by you. That I'm not even using this as a stepladder so I can get where I got to get. You're not a means to an end. You are the end. See, that's the difference is we're turning, we turn God into a butler and a means to an end, which is the glorification of us. But God's raising up a generation that says, I want you for you. I want you for you. And the Lord sees these Davids who are getting breakthrough over lions and bears. They're getting breakthrough through cycles of rejection and shame. They're getting breakthrough through addictions. They're getting breakthrough through relational difficulties. They're getting breakthrough by staying faithful in the mundane. They're staying faithful, staying faithful, staying faithful. Because there's coming a cry and it's begun. And it's behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. That cry is a whisper right now. It's going to begin to thunder. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And as this cry begins to get louder, guess what's going to happen? The light's going to begin to shine on the present ministries that are filling our TV stations, the mega ministries, and even the small ministries that are mad that they got small ministries. And what's going to begin to happen is light's going to begin to shine on these people who are at the forefront right now, and there's going to come a revelation to them, and it's we don't have any intimacy with Jesus. Our hearts are very small and what we have isn't enough to carry us through this hour. Are y'all with me tonight? Come on. What we have isn't enough and what's going to happen? They're going to run to the wise and saying, give us some of your oil. Lay hands on us and we'll fall down. We'll fall down. We'll get the double portion anointing. Just lay hands on us. And they go, no, that's not the way it works. It don't work by my hand. He says, I can't give you my history in God. I've been cultivating stuff for the last two decades on the backsides of Bethlehem when no one was watching. I've been preparing for this hour my whole life, and that's to be useful in partnership with Jesus during the greatest, most glorious, and terrifying hour of human history. I want to be useful to them. I can't lay hands on you. I can't give it. And you know what? Even if I could, I won't because I've been preparing for this hour. He says, you go buy for yourselves. Everybody say, buy for yourself. I want you to know, friendship with the Holy Spirit is free, but it costs everything. It costs time. It costs money. It costs energy. It's going to cost relationships. It's going to mess with your Tuesday night sitcoms and your Wednesday night dramas and your Thursday night American Idol winner. It's going to mess with your entertainment. It's going to mess with your dreams and your focuses and what you're going to do when you retire. It's going to mess with everything. It just blows up all our little worlds. I'm not going to make a mistake about it. Go buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And open the door. It's not a door of salvation. It's a door of partnership. Who wants to be useful to Jesus in the coming days? In the coming days, I want to be useful.
I want to be able to lead my whole neighborhood blocks to Jesus, giving understanding of revival and the shakings that are taking place in the nation when their worlds come crashing down and they have no hope. I want to be able with clarity and anointing and authority be able to lead them to Jesus. Because we're going to see Davids come from the back of the line. They're a bunch of no-namers. A bunch of little dorks like us. And they're going to come from the back of the back of the line to the front of the line overnight to bring leadership. I love King David. You know what I love about King David is the story of Goliath. We all know this story, but we don't know this story. He comes up. He's just bringing bread to the brothers while they're waiting there to fight Goliath. And, they, and, he, and he gives them the bread. He goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He'd probably gone through puberty. His voice was cracking. Who is this little And they all look at him. They go, you're just so prideful. Get back home. We ought to smack you. And I love his response. He's just so humble and yet so bold. He goes, I've been fighting the lion and the bear, and I got breakthrough with them. God delivered them into my hands. I know he'll give me this one. Where do you get that? Where do you get that kind of boldness, humility, and authority to look at a nine-foot giant that's got the whole nation trembling, and you've got a 16-year-old boy that says, God gave him to me. He'll give him. My goodness. You know the story. Guess what's happening? God's going to bring a generation off the backsides of Bethlehem to come into leadership against an end-time Goliath called the Antichrist Kingdom. And we're going to see Davids all over the earth, not great according to the eyes of the flesh. Matter of fact, when Samuel was looking for Jesse's sons, he says, you better not look at the outside. He says, don't get caught into this success being the most number of people that go to a number of churches. Don't get caught in the number game. Don't get caught in the size game. Don't get caught into the gifted game. Get caught into the one who has a heart after me. Because God doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the... He looks at the heart. That's right. I want to tell you one of the main chapters you want to feed on in this hour is Matthew chapter 25. I cannot say it enough at the five-year anniversary... Get oil. Buy oil. Rearrange your lives. Rearrange your recreation. Rearrange your focuses. Because we're in seven years of plenty right now. I don't know when it changes. But I don't have time to waste. Not in some frantic, weird way. But in a focused way. Saying there's certain things I'm going to be about in this hour. And the things that are taking me off into Nowheresville, I don't have time for. Even good ministry opportunities. It's not even about good ministry opportunities. I want to cultivate. This comes down to this. Do you want a bigger heart or a bigger ministry? What do you, which one do you want to be bigger? Because God's going to entrust last day's ministries to the ones with the bigger hearts. I asked the Lord tonight, I said, God, give me one word for IHOP East Bay. He says, devotion. He gave me the word devotion. I kept thinking of 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I fear that as Eve was deceived, that you've been deceived from the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. I want to call this house 
to seasons of devotion. Sitting at his feet like Mary of Bethany to receive the kisses of his word. Beloved, in the midst of all of our running, beloved, God's building the house. Amen? Because if he ain't building it, we're all laboring in vain. But I'm here to tell you he's building this house. He's building this house. What do you think? Simplicity of devotion. I want to call you to 40 days of sitting at his feet and drinking from his words. Drink from his words. Get tender in your spirit. Add some fasting with it. Get that mourning heart, that reaching heart for the bridegroom. Get that reaching heart for the bridegroom. I want to tell you the greatest commodity of the hour is a tender heart. The greatest commodity of the hour is a tender heart that's hearing and that's moving with what the Holy Spirit's doing. God, release devotion on this house. The grace of devotion. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup that's in your hand. Lean back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. God, I pray for the wine to go down smoothly. I pray for the love of God to be like wine that intoxicates, that invigorates, that inebriates our heart. And that your love would permeate every staff member. That it would fill every home. That it would saturate every family and every marriage. With your love is better than wine. Hallelujah. Jesus. That's what it's about, amen? We get it so complicated. Why does he want us leaning back? Because it's in the place of silence that he's wanting to begin. Because I feel like we're, I just want to tell you, IHOP's moving into a new season. IHOP, I feel like even IHOP East Bay. The Lord has kept this tender plant here for five years. I feel like we're moving into a season of transition. And I want to invite you like never before to rearrange your schedules. This is what we do because we all, by nature, you know what we do? We get off of what we signed up for so quickly. What I love about anniversaries is we get to sign up again. Isn't that what you do with New Year's? Isn't that the nature of a New Year's resolution? I'm going to lose weight. (laughs) That's at the top of everybody's list every year. I'm losing weight this year. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to focus more on the things that matter. Take this five-year anniversary as a New Year's resolution. What do you want to be said of you? What do you want living on the inside of you on the sixth anniversary? Anyway, I feel like it's the tender heart. And this other thing is because this is to be a seedbed. The The word I gave Jim and the team back, Five years ago in that July or August, whenever I was here, I talked about the Lord making this a Psalm 128 house. And I said, I saw your children like olive plants growing up around your table. There's an anointing for children. There's an anointing for young people to be grown up in this house. Why is God establishing one of the main reasons? Well, he's doing it because he's worthy and he wants to establish realities on the earth that mirror that which is in heaven. But number two, he's wanting to do it for the next generation of sons and daughters. He's raising up Zacharias and Elizabeths that get a prayer on the inside of them. And the prayer is this. Break the barrenness of the prophetic voice 
off of this nation and break it off this generation. If I could settle it into one thing, it's break barrenness off the church. Restore your word, O God. And one of the number one ways God's done it biblically and historically, when God wants to restore the, the, the true prophets to a nation, the true prophetic voice to a nation, he always goes about establishing a prayer movement because it's in houses of prayer that these tender plants are grown, nurtured, and are matured to bring forth a clear clarion message to their generation. Are you with me tonight? Wake up! This is why we're doing it. I speak that to myself too. <laughs> this is why we're doing it. It's for my children. For God to take this word and them to be in a context where they eat it. Where they eat it. Where we'd cut a generation and they would bleed the book of Revelation. We'd cut a generation and they'd bleed Song of Solomon. We'd cut a generation they'd bleed Isaiah. We'd cut them. They bleed Ephesians. They bleed John. They bleed it. It's what's inside of them. It's not just on them and around them. See, this is what prayer does. It actually causes you to assimilate the Word. It makes the Word go from merely outside of you to in you. Because when you pray it, it gets internalized. And that's the reality that will stand in the coming days. Not about how many verses you know, but how many verses know you. How many verses would say, yep, me and Corey are intimate around this one. I know you around this verse. I know you around this chapter. Corey, your name's right in there. You ever read a verse so many times that you become the verse? Huh? How about Isaiah 40? They asked John. Everybody wants to know who John is. Who are you? Are you the Christ? No. You Elijah? No. You the prophet? No. Who are you? I'm Isaiah 40. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He had read Isaiah 40 so many times he became Isaiah 40. He says, I lost my identity in the chapter. I got subsumed in the chapter. I lost my identity a long time ago. I've become a voice. I'm one of the small skips across history in that pond called God raising up forerunners throughout history. And guess what? Isaiah 40 is ready to become your identity. Isaiah 40 is ready to become your identity. Whew. He's going to raise up prophets, preachers, disciples, musicians, and singers that are going to bring down the high places of arrogance and pride. Bring up the low places of shame, guilt, and wrong thinking about God. Make straight crooked places called perversion and the religious spirit. Why are they doing this? Why are they releasing this revelation to make straight a way for the king? So that his glory would flow unhindered. So that his glory would break in with power and that there would be no hindrances. God is marking a generation. We've got to get our sons and daughters sitting in that room. Open their Bible. I've got to tell my kids, my 11-year-old, my 8-year-old, just open it and read it. I don't want to. Just do it. Because something's happening to you when you sing it. Sing it. Say it. Pray it. Get it on the inside of you. Jesus.
we got to get a bigger vision than ourselves. There's a bigger fear I got going on than the economy in, a na- in this nation. It's God's coming. And he's looking for friends. I want that to keep me up at night. He's coming. Hallelujah. Can we just get over the fantasy? I just wanted to go back to normal. It's not going to go back to normal. It all shifted 10 years ago, a couple Sundays ago. September 11th, a switch happened in this nation. A switch happened in this nation. And it's never going to be like that. And praise God. God's going to bring forth a powerful prophetic church in this nation. And we are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are going to see gatherings of prayer and fasting like never before. We are going to see shakings in D.C. Guys, right now, I'm just being so encouraged by the power of answered prayer. Right now, they're actually starting to release laws through statewide uh, uh, with abortion clinics. And they're literally starting to put the same requirements on them as normal hospitals. This is requiring pretty much all of them to shut down because they can't meet those requirements. It's happening state by state by state. It's happening state by state by state. That they can't meet the requirements. And what's it's happening is that there's a standard being raised. No, you can't check the full heart of man, but it's setting forth a godly standard in a nation. Saying, no, God, we want life. And he's seen all the hours. They got J-Hops in D.C. that have been standing every day before the Supreme Court with that life.